Hey, everybody. Welcome to You Were Born for this podcast with Father John Ricardo, Mary Guilfoyle. We are a couple of missionaries at Acts 29, and this is the podcast where we talk about anything and everything having to do with transformation in the church. Mary, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, Father John. Hard to believe we are in the octave. We are. Glorious days these are. Long awaited. Amen. Glorious days and a quick message for everybody. We are not going to have a podcast next week because... Uh, our office is closed. We're dispersing to the four corners of the world. And in fact, some of us are going to be going to a certain football game from a certain <laughs> alma mater um, in a location that rhymes with Pamplona. So, uh, yeah, we're looking forward to that. So we'll be back at our regularly scheduled time on what? January, January 9th. January 9th. January 9th. Fantastic. Right. All right. What's our podcast episode topic today? Oh, Father John, I love this. So our, our topic for today is God does not lie. God does not lie. All right, let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Gracious Father, we thank you for these simply unbelievable days that we're in, this time of celebration of giving thanks for your Son who has come so as to set us free from the power of sin and death and despair and emptiness and meaninglessness, has reconciled us to you, has shown us just who we are in your eyes, who's going to battle on our behalf. Lord, we just pray for our conversation right now, for those who are listening, especially for those who are most in need today of being encouraged because of the fact that you are faithful. Keep our eyes firmly fixed on your son, lying there in the manger, asking us to behold him and to see the love that you have for us. All these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Father and Son, and Son Holy and Spirit. Holy Spirit. You know, so maybe I can set this up a little bit. I love this title, God Does Not Lie. Of, of course, some of us probably go, well, he's God. Of course he doesn't lie. And yet I think a lot of us deep down, we're afraid that maybe he just won't be able to keep his promises. Or you often say sometimes, you know, um, will he come through? Yeah, will he come through? Right. So right. maybe two scriptures that we, you know, you and I and Albert and Nick and Julie and Charlotte and Kelly and Lauren, I mean, we've all been pondering over the last uh, number of days, even Rick uh, joining us remotely. Two, two scriptures especially have really been resonating over and over again over the last couple weeks especially that are so familiar to us, and that's part of the challenge. And Maybe that's why, I, you know, I've been praying over Advent, just like, Lord, teach me new things. You know, because the temptation as a priest is, oh, gosh, like, what am I going to say now? I mean, I've been doing this for 26 years, and, and these, it's, it's not like there's new scriptures coming out, right? So it's the same scriptures that we hear year after year, and yet you just want to keep asking the Holy Spirit, show me something new, show me something new. Well, I think even for the lay faithful sitting in the pews, Father John, I mean, we have the same um, inclination, sadly, that we've heard it before. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it doesn't move us. But the right. reality is that the Spirit is always moving. And to the degree that we're expectant, when we go to the uh, uh, into the Word of God, He's always going to speak something new if we're looking. Amen. If we're looking Amen. For it, the right? advantage is you don't have to preach. This is true. <laughs> so I'm sitting there going like, oh, what no, do you want me to Lord, say what am I going to say? Like I've been doing this for so long. So here's the two, the two passages. It's Isaiah 7, 
verses 10 to 14, which if you don't know your scripture off the top of your head, that's the encounter between the prophet Isaiah and King Ahaz. When Isaiah says to Ahaz, you know, like, ask the Lord for a sign. And Ahaz, not because he's holy, but because he's something else, says, no, I won't do that. When when God's saying, no, 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 I want you to ask me for a sign. And Ahaz is like, no, I'm not going to do that. And so Isaiah says to him, the Lord's going to give you a sign. And here's the sign. The virgin will conceive and bear a son and she'll name him Emmanuel. That's the first passage. The second passage is the scene of the Annunciation in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38, which we've heard at least three times in the last 12 days, or the last two weeks anyway, and is just continually worth pondering. So let's go to Isaiah first, because here's what hits me. I was reading um, Pope Benedict's Jesus of Nazareth, the infancy narratives uh, during Advent. I go back to this book all the time, and I, I love the way Pope Benedict is... He's going to be a doctor of the church probably one day, you know, after he dies and whatnot. This guy is so brilliant. And so he's so humble when he writes. And at one point he just says, you know, we're able to precisely date this prophecy, which is pretty extraordinary. We know exactly when this happens because of some of the historical circumstances around the event. It's, it happens in 733 BC. And then he goes on to talk about how nobody really knows what this refers to, which is amazing. You know, in order for a prophecy to have, obviously it gets fulfilled in Luke 1, 26 to 38, when Gabriel comes to Mary. That's 733 years later, roughly. So there is no clear, accepted understanding for 730 years of what in the world this refers to. Which means, here's how I've been pondering it, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. So oftentimes, this is why we have this title, God Does Not Lie. You get this, in this case, word from the Lord. And then you're like, okay, when's it going to happen? And so you wait. Yeah, you wait, and you wait. You wait. And you wait, and you wait generation after generation after generation after generation after generation. After generation, you wait 700 plus years and you have to know that the temptation of the people of Israel was, well, I guess that one's not coming true. And so what's, what's behind that? God doesn't keep his promises. Right. What's behind that? God lies. God is not trustworthy. Yeah. Can't count on him. Right. Right. What hit you when we were going through that? I remember it was funny because I remember in the chapel in our office when I was sharing that, I saw everybody's, I saw your and Nick's face just kind of look at me like, oh my gosh, like I never thought about that for 700 plus years. Like nobody has any clue to what this refers. So I don't know that I have, I don't know if I can articulate my thoughts. I think we all sat there in the chapel rather dumbstruck. And I think the question that came to me is like, um, first of all, the reality is this didn't come to me in the chapel, but God is outside of time. Mm. But we're constrained by time. And so over those years, at, at what point do you still even have hope? Right. Do you, yeah. do, you, do you even have hope? And then, and, 
again, not so much that God lies. You, you just can't get inside the mind of God that that word would be given then. Did it ever cross our minds that it would be all these generations later that it would come to pass in this little town? And and I think the question that came into my mind, if I'm putting myself in somewhere in that spectrum of history is, how would I wait? How do I wait for something to happen? Right. Or even just in my own lifetime, like how do I wait for something to happen knowing knowing now in light of this, like it may not happen in my lifetime. Yeah. But- and, and, and I think that's the, that's the challenge. That's why I want to just keep pushing into this because I think for many of us, we don't say these things out loud because we're afraid that we don't, we, we want to seem pious, but God knows my thoughts. And I think a lot of us really struggle with, will he really come through? Will he really be faithful? And if you feel that way, be of good cheer because the people of God have felt that way. And the answer is yes, but we're not going to get to that yet. So let me ask you a question. No, not acceptable. Is, is, a, is a reasonable question is why? Why would that word be given then and not fulfilled all these years later? Like why then? Is that a reasonable question to ask? Why that word was given at that time? Yeah, great question. Because obviously there was something that the Lord wanted to say to Ahaz. What it was, we don't know. Did it get fulfilled? We don't see any reason historically to think that it was fulfilled in Ahaz's lifetime which means that it's kind of an empty word for him. So it's a word waiting for meaning is kind of, I think, how Pope Benedict talks about it. It's kind of like the suffering servant in Isaiah 53. is a word waiting for meaning. You've got all these things that have been revealed by God. You have no idea how they're going to get fulfilled, which is why, let me keep with this theme if I can. It's why I think it's always hit me with Zechariah, right? So we have Luke 1, 26, is the appearance of Gabriel to Our Lady. Right before that is the Annunciation of John the Baptist, right? And so uh, Gabriel comes to Zechariah. And I've always been puzzled by this because it's like they're back-to-back scenes. Gabriel comes to Zechariah. Gabriel comes to Our Lady. Gabriel says to Zechariah, you're going to have a child, or your wife is. Gabriel says to Mary, you're going to have a child. Zachariah says, how can this happen? Mary says, how can this happen? One gets struck mute. <laughs> the other is, is honored beyond all telling, right? It's like, well, what gives? You know, like how come one of them gets zapped and the other is, is Our Lady, right? And I, a couple of years ago, a set of years ago now, what, what hit me is when the angel comes to Zachariah, he says, do not be afraid, Zachariah. Same greeting with which he greets Mary. Your prayer has been heard. What prayer? The prayer for a child. And so here's the image, right? This is, this is how I, I think this is how we're supposed to understand it. This is how I pray with it. Zachariah and Elizabeth get married. They're young. They, they pray like every other couple, especially at that time when to be barren is to think you're somehow cursed by God. They pray for a child. They love the Lord. According to Luke, they're righteous and observe all the commandments. So these are good men and women. So they pray for a child, no child. They keep praying, no child. They keep praying, no child. They get to the age when it looks like this is it, right? Because Sarah's about to hit or Elizabeth's about to hit menopause and then we're done. No child. And then here comes Gabriel and says, your prayer has been heard. And Zechariah is like, well, how in the world is this going to happen? And I picture the angel Gabriel saying to Zechariah, 
then why did you bother to pray if you didn't think God was going to come through? And I think a lot of us, we, we, we start life at a certain point with regards to some really good intention. And we ask the Lord for this and we ask the Lord for this and we're sure it's of him. And then it doesn't happen and it doesn't happen and it doesn't happen and it doesn't happen. In the back of our minds is this temptation. Maybe God's not good after all. Maybe he doesn't hear. Maybe he's not faithful. Maybe he doesn't come through, which are how the enemy tempts us, right? Because that's the root lie. Maybe I'm just more sinful than everybody else and selfish, or maybe I just say things out loud that other people are afraid of thinking, but that's how I read the scriptures, you know, as opposed to, because I think these texts are supposed to invite us to linger with these extraordinary realities that we are confronted with every day. We don't have the mind of God. I mean, imagine Zechariah. He, he, he's coming at it from a human perspective. And rightly so. Of course, Father, right? Absolutely. I mean, I would. I mean, I think that's a reasonable question. Like, how in the world is that going to happen now? Right. Like, you had all these years. But, and, 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 and so it's not so much. So I, I would presume that Zechariah went to prayer trusting God would act, but at some point just presumed he wouldn't act and and somehow that all just gets worked out in the end. Yeah, and now and now you're to the point where you're however old you are, seventy five years old, and now you've given up, and you're like, "This is absurd. What do you mean something's going to exactly happen now?" Right. Exactly. Which brings us to Luke. So, a couple of things to note here. So Gabriel greets Benedict again. Says this. He says he doesn't. The, the normal greeting amongst the Jewish people is. Shalom. Yeah, we all know that from the chosen. Shalom, right? shalom, shalom. shalom. Right. <laughs> right, but Gabriel doesn't greet Mary with shalom. He greets her with rejoice. I love what Benedict. And then he says, goes on yeah. to say, in a certain sense, this is the be- this yeah. is the real beginning of the New Testament. And and what he means by that is that word rejoice, which he then says that's the word that shows up on the lips of the angels, or the the angel of the Lord in Luke two. It's the word that's used to describe the reaction of the of the disciples in the upper room on Easter Sunday. You know, like they rejoiced when they saw the Lord. That's got to be a lame translation, right? But so this is in a certain sense. I think he describes it as this is the the content of the gospel is rejoice. Why? Well, let's hold on to that for a second because I want to ask you as a as a mom because you've had an experience that obviously a man can't have, right? So Mary has this encounter with Gabriel. Gabriel says, you're going to have a child. Mary's like, how? I'm not going to be with a man. Gabriel explains it. And Mary gives her famous response of, whatever you want to do to me, Lord, go ahead and do to me. I'm yours, right? That's kind of the vernacular. I've always thought, you know, you and I might read that as a cute little story, but for real, this woman woke up one day, like with sometime around a month later and realized, what in the world is, is happening? happening to me? Right? Like, this is, this is, I keep thinking of the Brian Regan skit with one of the things he's talking about. He's like, this is crazy. Like, you gotta be kidding me. Like, I have yeah. a child growing inside me and I haven't been with a man. Like, what in the world is going on? But this is really going on. Like, this is really happening. This is not a cute story for Mary. It's a reality that she's living, which means she knows, like nobody knows, God's able to keep what seem like insane promises. <laughs> right? Right. 
I mean, just insane. I, I can only imagine, I don't know, I can only fathom what it's like for a mom or a dad, but especially a mom, uh, you know, as you're preparing to see the face of your child. What's going on inside Mary's mind as she's awaiting the birth of her child? Because she knows, like, I got to believe Mary's going like, okay, I know 23 of the chromosomes are coming from me. So I'll, other- a, so I'll see a shadow of myself in this new baby, but what's the, what is this baby going to look like? Absolutely. Like, how, how does this happen? Like, where's the other half coming from? Like, I, his, his, his human nature is coming from me. We're, we're trying to wrestle with words of what's going on inside somebody, right? But where is the rest of this being coming from? And just... You know, on a human level, the anticipation that you have of seeing your child, imagine Mary's anticipation at just, seeing her child. And then imagine Mary just staring at this child for however long, right? Pondering in her heart all that she's looking at. You know, Father John, even as I'm just listening to you speak, just one day in Mary's pregnancy, Imagine 24 hours in an entire nine-month period of expecting this child. I can't even fathom what one day would be like in her life. How, on a practical level, I'm thinking, how do you get anything done? Mm-hmm. Like, like, how do you, how do you, th- th- this may sound very tribal, like, how do you get your house cleaned? H- how do you prepare a meal? Because you are so wholly taken over in your heart that that which the angel said would happen is happening because you feel it happening in your body. And month after month, it becomes more profound how Mary didn't just stop and be in a state of contemplation for that entire nine months is beyond me. I'm imagining myself going to the grocery store, going to the market, going about your day-to-day responsibilities and how can you not get caught up in that place of prayer that that renders you almost um, not able to do much of anything else yeah I, I can't even begin to fathom that I mean just not only because I'm not the Blessed Virgin Mary but I, I can't fathom the the expectancy of uh, I mean that's what you say about a mom right she's we're expecting. Well, imagine Mary's expectancy, right? I mean, like Mary is really expecting because no, everybody else in the town might think she's whatever, but Mary knows who she is and what she has and hasn't done. And she knows this child can only come from God, which brings us back to this whole idea of rejoice. Like why rejoice? And here's the simple reason. Because first of all, God is faithful. Amen. He is a good father. God does not lie. He is faithful to his promises. And everything that he says that he will do, he will do. Yeah, he will do. So just just let these like hit you like a gentle wave as you're standing in the ocean, hitting you a time and time again. The glory of the Lord will fill the earth. All mankind will see the saving power of God. All things will be made new. He will wipe every tear from our eyes. Death will be destroyed. Of his kingdom, there will be no end. Jesus is 
Lord, and he will make all things right. Full stop, period. Like, new paragraph. Amen. This is the story. Jesus Christ has come into our world, our Savior, our Rescuer, and he was born into this human race, and his name is Jesus, which reminds me of this beautiful worship song that set of us were just listening to last week. His name is Jesus. Amen. Just pray with that reality. And, his, and he keeps his promises always, all the time. No matter what. No matter what. Mother Mary, dearest Mother Mary, Teach us how to wait knowing God's promises will happen as you did and never to be afraid. And because that God, the God who always keeps his promises, the God who does not lie, the God who is always faithful, the God who is never late, the God who is always on time, the God who knows what he's doing, the God who holds the world your life and the lives of all those that you love in his hands. That God is with you. Do not be afraid. You were born for this. 